The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you wish to attract higher levels of good health, personal and interpersonal relationships, and a deeper connection with spirit, you've tuned in at the right time and to the right place. This is Awakened Hearts with Rebecca and Boyd Campbell. In our program, we'll provide intuitive readings, insight, and guidance to help you connect with spirit and experience more from life. Now, here are your hosts, Rebecca and Boyd Campbell. Welcome, everyone. We are thrilled that you have joined us here today. We are your hosts, Rebecca Campbell. And Boyd Campbell. And you are listening to Awakened Hearts on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America Talk Radio. You can contact us by email, hello at sundrahealing.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, connect with us on LinkedIn, add us on Google+, and of course, visit our website at sundrahealing.com. We have... Kathleen Hendricks with us today, whom we are going to call Katie, and her husband Gay was unable to join us, uh, so we do have Katie though, uh, which is wonderful. And Katie, you and your husband are kind of pioneers in the fields of body intelligence and relationship transformation for over 40 years, is that correct? That's correct. All right, so... In fact, we, uh, we just... Gay and I just celebrated our 35th um, uh, wedding anniversary in October, and uh, we'll be heading into our 38th year together. But both of us had been interested in the incredible power of our own body wisdom and brought that, um, me from the movement therapy background and him from a breathwork background and counseling degree from uh, Stanford. And so when we got together, we really started to look at more of a creative arts approach and more of a a natural body wisdom approach to transformation rather than an intellectual approach. And that's been what we've been exploring, both of us, for over 40 years. Wow. Well, congratulations on your anniversary. Yes, definitely. Thank you. That's quite the milestone. Yeah. So you've written a lot of books. Yep. And the one we're focused on today is the conscious loving ever after. It just yes. keeps getting better. <laughs> yes. That sounds fabulous. <laughs> well, it was a big surprise to us and it is to to most people because um you know even even in the last few years we we noticed that there are still so many stigmas around the uh, the possibilities of relationship. Most people have still so much misunderstanding about what relationship can really provide, the adventure it can provide for us. And, you know, most people think it's involved with compromise and, you know, you better have your fun now because once you get together, it sort of just goes downhill from there. And that is not at all what we have found. We've actually found that truly your relationships, all of your close relationships can just keep getting better and better throughout life and to be a a great source of joy 
and also contribution to your family and to your community from the strength of your own relationship. Hmm. Now, what are some conscious loving techniques that our audience members can practice at home? How do we do this conscious loving that you're speaking of? (laughs) (laughs) I know it does sound a little bit like it's from Mars, but uh, we're getting closer and closer to going to Mars. So maybe we'll get closer and closer to coming into the kind of relationship that that we can enjoy here on Earth. Uh, I would say the, the, the first is to realize that relationships work when we give each other appreciative attention rather than critical attention. So many people think that their relationship is a license to, you know, take their partner on as an improvement project. You know, my own personal little fixer-upper. And Mm. uh, what we've found is that And what the research tells us is that blame and criticism are the number one relationship killers. So if you, we just decided to stop blame and criticism cold turkey in our relationship. And we've had, it took us several years to really make good on that commitment to create a blame-free relationship. And we have a chapter on that in our new book, uh, Conscious Loving Ever After. But at the beginning, what I suggest is that when people notice that they're criticizing either themselves or their partner or relationships in general, that they make a conscious shift to appreciation. Because we know that appreciations are the foundation of really thriving relationships, that genuine appreciations, if you have a ratio of at least five to one appreciations to criticisms, including the nonverbal ones, that's the single most important thing that you can do on an ongoing basis to support the vibrancy of your relationships. So we, for a long time, we would start to catch ourselves being critical and would deliberately change to an appreciation. And over years, we've now eliminated blame and criticism. There's been absolutely no blame and criticism in our household for at least the last 20 years. Holy cow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, and what what opens up when you do that? What I was telling uh, people at a at a <clears throat> workshop that I was uh, giving yesterday is that when you're not blaming and criticizing, you'll be amazed at how much free time you've got. <laughs> not you don't have criticism going on in your head and having an argument with your mate in your head about like, you always or you never. And what can then replace that? is genuinely appreciating and discovering together and supporting each other to really focus on what is it that I most love to do? What is it that I would like to contribute? And what is it that our the co-creativity of our relationship can contribute that the two of us together really do become more than each of us on our own? Nice. Mm, yes, the unity there. Yeah. Mm. So what are some of the rituals that couples can uh, practice to maintain uh, presence, uh, being present well, and holding a space yes, for each there's, other? Um, well, one thing that I really suggest to people is that you let your partner know how you like to receive attention and especially how you like to be appreciated. We have an interview in our book that allows you to customize your appreciation because it's not just a blanket thing where you slap on appreciation or, you know, you say, love you, babe, as you're 
flying out the door, but you you genuinely fit your appreciation to your partner just as you would fit an item of clothing or you'd fit you know, a cap on a bottle. You'd want to really make it fit so it can contain what you're putting in it. And appreciations, customized appreciations will do that for you. Some people have a ritual. Um, some of our students and colleagues have developed an, a going-to-bed appreciation ritual that they give each other five appreciations before they go to bed. I think that's a wonderful way to create restful sleep and to create an essence connection between you. The other thing that you can do is let your partner know what your attention signals are. So how how can you let your partner know what scientists call is a bid for attention? And uh, what we know is that in relationships that really work, people respond to their partner's bids for attention about 86 to 89 percent of the time. That's a lot. And in relationships that don't work, those bids for attention only get met about 26 percent of the time. And so if you're looking at, you know, really the single thing that you could do that would make a huge difference in your relationship life, it's to really give the thing that each of us can give, which is attention. And we know now that Human beings, if they don't receive attention, they really wither up and die. We require attention just as much as we require food and water. And we have this kind of thought that, you know, when you're a grown-up, you're not supposed to require attention anymore. You're supposed to kind of suck it up and be able to, you know, tough it out on your own. And it's just simply not true that humans, in order to really flourish, the, the biggest gift that you can give to yourself and to the people that you care for is to give them your attention. And most of us know, and I certainly grew up with this, that I got attention associated with being criticized because that was basically the only kind of attention that I got. And uh, we tend to repeat the things that we've learned in our growing up. And so that's what most people think is that my relationship is a license to be critical of somebody else. We think that that if you made that single switch, that would be the most powerful thing that you could do is to really focus on shifting and dropping the, the criticism because we really know that blame and criticism don't work. That's one of our mythologies that we have to criticize other people, otherwise they're, you know, they're not really going to you know, shift and change and be useful human beings. But we really know now that loving attention allows people to really blossom. And we've seen so many people in their relationships, when they focus on appreciation, they're, they're, uh, the problems, the so-called problems in their relationships tend to just sort of drop away. Because they're not focusing on them. They're really focusing on, and we know that what you give attention to grows. And so if you focus on appreciating, your relationship will blossom. Wow. Um, as, you were, as you were talking there, um, we were talking about um, the triggers um, for attention and being able to express that to your partner. And as you were saying that, I could f- actually feel on myself my my little fear thing went off and it's like, you know what? I'm going to have to show weakness here in order to, to show that to my partner. So being right. present. I, saw, yeah. I so appreciate you saying that, boy, because 
I think so many people have learned that I should not need attention, that uh, having attention is a weakness and wanting attention or needing attention. And that's probably the single most distorted mythology that I'd really like people to change because, uh, and, and you also mentioned something very important that your fear signals came up. We have a whole chapter in our book about how to move from fear to flow because I really think that that fear and being caught in the fear trance is the single most important problem on the planet right now. Mm. When I'm in fear or you're in fear, your partner looks like an enemy. And that happens automatically in a deep part of your brain that your logical brain doesn't have any access to. You go reptilian and your partner then becomes the other and you don't want to show any weakness to the enemy. And all of this is happening underneath what you're consciously aware of. So as we learn how to shift from fear, there's some simple body actions that you can take to assist you to open up uh, to each other again so that you see each other as an ally, then you can move into engaging and connecting again rather than being disconnected and separate. Mm. Can you give us an example of one of these body actions, Katie? Absolutely. And we have videos of them on our website. They're the Four expressions of fear are fight, flee, freeze, and faint. And most people aren't aware that they usually have a combo of those going on when they get scared that they've learned. Like some people learn to to get very small. They kind of disappear and get invisible. Other people freeze. Other people really come forward with a fight that really looks like they're angry, but they're actually scared. And just one of these moves that I can mention right now is what we call wiggling. If you let yourself, even when you're frozen, you can wiggle your fingers and toes and then you can start to wiggle the rest of your body in a very easy, comfortable way and that literally thaws you out so that your three brains, your reptilian brain, your emotional brain and your logical brain can communicate with each other again and let you be resourceful rather than in survival reactive mind. Okay, that makes sense. Now, what what do you mean when you say the reptilian brain? Well, the reptilian brain is the oldest part of our brain. It's organized around our brain stem and runs our breathing and runs a lot of the autonomic systems in our body without us having to think about it uh, or, or um, you know, pause and keep track of the you know, 432 things that our liver is doing every second. But our our reptilian brain is also completely wired up for assessing threats. And it's where our uh, territorial instincts come from and our sense of boundary and don't step on me and you're in my, you know, you're up in my grill. And so when people are... As Sophocles said a couple thousand years ago, to him who is in fear, everything rustles. 
So when mm-hmm. I'm in fear, when I'm down in my that part of my brain, I literally don't have access to my problem-solving brain because that's the new that's the new kid on the block in terms of our brain development. It's only been here uh, you know, it's been here very very recently whereas our reptilian brain which allowed us to get here to survive has been here for many 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 thousands of years and so the central problem that we see that Gay and I see is that we're we're wired up for threat that's how you know being able to assess where the next threat was coming from more quickly allowed our ancestor to be here and allowed us to be here the the daisy picking ancestors are no longer here because they weren't aware of the threat and got you know they got taken out of the gene pool but our one of the things that people don't understand is that we don't have one brain we have three brains and when those brains are in in um, conflict with each other, we can't really access, is this an accurate threat? Is this a real threat? Or is this a threat I am making up in my own mind? And since we no longer have, most of us, tigers to run away from, and we can't just run out the door or hit our bosses when we get scared or angry. We've needed to learn how to manage this uh, very deep part of ourselves that wants to be right and wants to smash things. And uh, we all have that inside, but we also all also have our emotional brain that allows us to connect with others and to feel with others. And we have our problem-solving brain, which allows us to create solutions. And we do have our reptilian brain, which allows us to say, hey, you stepped on my foot, stop it. But when our when any of those is out of balance, it doesn't allow us to use our whole selves. And what we find is in our work is that body wisdom breathing and movement and learning how to communicate in a way that's unarguable allows us to open up the flow between all three of our brains so that we can be really resourceful and responsive rather than reactive and repetitive and doing the same thing that we learn from our parents, that they learn from their parents, and on back. It seems to me that we're in a time where we need to be using our whole brains to be able to include rather than to exclude. Mm, Absolutely. Katie, this is a perfect time for us to take a break. So to all our listeners out there, we will see you on the other side of two minutes. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience and their twin flame connection to create powerful, transformational journeys through their classes, workshops, special events, and retreats. Join Rebecca and Boyd on your journey to deepen your connection with spirit and access divine intelligence. This allows healing, creates miracles, and manifests a life of joy and abundance in alignment with your highest good. Visit the classes page of sunderhealing.com and register today. 
Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience to create a powerful and effective modality of healing. Each session is unique, tailored to your individual needs, and can be done in person or from any distance. Are you searching for your purpose, soul path, soulmate, or healing for mind, body, and spirit? Are you seeking relief from anxiety, depression, chronic illness, fatigue, or codependency? Book a healing session or receive a free email consultation today. Visit the services page at sundrahealing.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. are listening to Awakened Hearts. To call in and connect to Rebecca and Boyd Campbell on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to hello at sundrahealing.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking today with Katie Hendricks, and we are talking about her and her husband, uh, their new book, Conscious Loving Ever After. So we're talking about relationships and how they can stay juicy and loving and uh, sexually and romantically connected. We can we can stay that that way with each other. So, uh, Katie, I'm. Hmm, do you have a? Do you want to yeah. ask question, boy? Actually, I do. Yes. So. so. How do couples get unstuck? How do they stop blaming and shift easily and effortlessly towards um, understanding closeness again? Because lots of times there's a a wall that gets built up of people that have been together for a while. How do we break that down? Well, I think it's really a kind of a two or even three-pronged approach. I'd say the first thing for all of us is that When we're having conflict, it's almost always at the base of that is something that we're scared of. And and, uh, often the fear is that there's something fundamentally unlovable about me. And if I am more open, you're going to find that out. And, uh, you know, there'll be something awful that will happen because of that. And uh, we've seen that happen so many times in, in our relationship explorations with people. So I would say number one is really learning how to love yourself, that you uh, are, aren't getting all of your sense of value from your partner, that you really consider yourself whole, you're filling your own reservoir regularly with love and appreciation and, and really giving curious attention to yourself and how you are and you know what, what emotions are troublesome for you. So I would say that's number one. I would say number two then is to, as we were talking about in the last segment, make a commitment to focusing on appreciation. Because I think we're 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 pretty, elem- and you know, kind of at an elementary school level in our skill at appreciating, and and it's your highest highest uh, ROI, your return on investment in your relationship, and in those times when you get stuck, because we all do get stuck, we bring into our relationships so much that we have learned 
from our culture, from where we grew up, from the patterns that our parents learned from their parents, and it goes way back, and most of those are totally out of people's awareness, you know, so, uh, for example, at, at the dinner table at my house, uh, my mother basically communicated by rattling pots and pans, and my father communicated by being behind his newspaper and rattling it and making sort of harumphing noises. And the rest of us as kids were supposed to be quiet unless we could be pleasant. So, you know, I think every family has its kind of rules of engagement that we learn and that those can then trigger the same hurts that we experienced when we were little. We bring those kinds of expectations into our relationship. For example, in my family, I grew up in an incredibly critical family, and I didn't even realize that I had a listening filter for criticism. So no matter what Gay would say to me, I would hear it as a criticism. So he couldn't fix that. Only I could fix that by recognizing oh, right now I'm hearing what you're saying as a criticism. So one very practical and powerful suggestion that I have for all couples is to learn how to say, the story I'm making up right now is, or I just am making up that you are, like I'm making up that you're angry right now and you're not telling me, or I'm just, I'm creating a story that, that you're more interested in going out to play poker with the guys than you are in being here with me. Because then you begin to identify, this is what's going on in me. Because so often what happens in relationships is I have an idea about you and I assume that that's real. And I interact with you as if you know what I'm thinking as if you can read my mind. So that, I think, is a very proactive thing that people can do. And in the moment when you're stuck, the thing that I have found most valuable is to drop the words out. Because words, we know just how to get our partners. We know just the intonation. We know just the phrase to use. And when you drop those out... And if you continue, we've often recommended for people that you continue just making sounds and gestures back and forth with each other. And, and, you know, it may sound very silly or stupid, but it's actually a very powerful way to shift the context, to shift the, the stuckness into a sense of play, that you actually realize you're doing what we call a na-na-na. You're just simply you know, having a conflict with each other. And if you just put your hands up and you put your hands on the other person's hands and you just do a little bit of na-na-na, na-na-na, back and forth, you know, or you go, or you make noises at each other, (laughs) you can pretty soon feel like, oh, okay, you know, this is kind of stupid. You're my friend. You can be my ally again. We can figure this out. But if you stay up in your head, you're, you're trying to, do what a researcher called, you're trying, you're a rider on top of an elephant and you want the elephant to go the way you want to go. But whenever the elephant doesn't want to go the way you're going, you're in trouble. So when you're stuck, you got to appeal to the elephant. And the best way to do that is to drop the words out and to really focus on, ah, 
coming back into yourself, doing some of what we call the fear melters until you can see each other as an ally again. Then you can figure out what's going on. And I guarantee you it's almost always something that starts with I'm scared. You know, I'm scared Mm -hmm. that you don't love me anymore or I'm scared we're not going to be able to figure this out or I'm scared you like her better than me. It's almost always going to be a fear. And when somebody says what they're scared of, the flow of connection and intimacy opens up again, which seems kind of counterintuitive, but we've seen it happen thousands of times. Hmm. The fear melters, is that what you had just referred to? Yes, the Uh, fear melters are what we have devised. We we write about them in Conscious Loving Ever After, and we have them on our uh, website, uh, if you go to Hendrix.com and you go to the relationship section and you click it on the bottom of the first page, you will say, see our videos here. And you'll see a whole video on how to move from fear into connection again through the fear melters, which those very simple moves, like I was mentioning to you, wiggling is a fear melter for freeze. And oozing is a fear melter for fighting. Oozing like your seaweed in water or hot fudge over a Sunday, and sumo, where you get down in your body and you can feel your feet. You feel yourself is is a fear melter for flea when you feel like you want to run out of the room. And scooping love, what we call love scoops, where you scoop love up and really connect with your belly or chest is the fear melter for faint when you got confused or just feel like your energy is draining out or you feel really just in despair. Love scoops are the fear melter. When you learn how to actually use those rather than just going, oh, yeah, oh, that's nice. Okay. When you use them, you actually do create flow. You unkink the hose and you open up that connection again so that you can be on the same team with each other. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So most people um, think that romance, great sex, regeneration, um, either slows or trickles, stops altogether at a certain age. Um, if I understand you disagree with this, can you uh, yes. can you talk about the myths of aging and? Um, oh well, yes, I can talk about. It. <laughs> I can talk about some of the top ones. I think one of them, one of the top ones in relationship, is that at a certain point. You know, just uh, you lose your sexual desire and and uh, you just don't care about that anymore. And we just have not found that to be true at all. Also, the research is really clear now. There have been uh, a couple of, of long-term studies that have just recently come out that indicate that people in successful long-term relationships have the same brain patterns as young people who have just fallen in love. In other words, you can have that that same sense of uh, complete fascination and enchantment and endorphin rushes with your partner really throughout life. So one of the main mythologies is, you know, you just be kind of become roommates. We have not found that to be true at all, that you can keep romance and really fulfilling sexuality alive you know, lifelong, we have, uh, you know, we're in our, I'm in my late 60s and Gay's in his early 70s, and we're currently having better sex than ever. 
And our colleagues and students are reporting the same to us. And we think at the, at the bottom of that, at the base of that, is that you are open to each other, but you also, you're open to each other, turning toward each other, breathing. You know how to breathe so that you can breathe into your sensations and that you're present in your body. I think the big mistake that that most people make is what we call folding up, that the choice that you have in your 40s, but especially in your 50s and on, is that you're either expanding and growing or you're closing up and folding up. And when you start to fold up, then you get into a pattern that becomes very difficult to uh, mediate because your body starts really shutting down. Yeah, and that's something that uh, that people used to think was inevitable, but we now know that you can keep regenerating yourself and be more flexible and youthful. Um, Gay and I, our panels, our health panels, we're now more healthy than we were as 20, 25-year-olds. So there are, I think, a lot of mythologies, especially about aging and its impact on relationships, that uh, people who are now in their 50s and up are going to be turning on their heads because uh, we, we just, uh, I think that's just a part of uh, us not having lived this long vibrantly uh, to be able to lay down some new pathways. But the new pathway is, hey, you can keep growing and enjoying and especially playing. We find that long-term relationships that are successful, people really know how to play with each other and and savor each other and really enjoy uh, discovering more and more about each other. So if you think you know everything there is to know about your partner, you're on the way to folding up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, as you're as you're talking there, um, I looked at, at your pictures, and you two definitely look a lot younger than than your uh, chronological age. That's for sure. Yes, we do. In fact, <laughs> we can't use some of our PR photos that we made from 15 years ago because we look too much older than we do now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing what the energy you know, the energy shift within us as individuals can do alone. Yeah. Yes, and also between us. I mean, one of the big discoveries for us is that when you're not blaming and criticizing, you're available for this co-creation in this space between. And like, for example, Gay and I have found that, uh, I mean, not only do we often very, very often have the same thought at the same time, but we are connected whether we're in the same space geographically or whether one of us is around the world. We've often picked up the phone. I've picked up the phone in in uh, Germany at the same time that Gay has picked up the phone, you know, many times when uh, when I've been teaching over there. And this new frontier of the space between us, I think, is really the most exciting new energy source on the planet, the we space, that when each of us feels whole and lovable, we can combine our energies to create something new. And I do think that that's the new fuel that we need to create 
new kinds of relationships on a broader scale on the planet uh, so that we can include everybody and their creativity in our human family. Hmm. Very nice. Now, going back to the sexuality that you were talking about, how can couples unwind their sexual fears and blocks so that they can create this body bliss with each other? Yes. Um, Well, I had mentioned before that I think our ongoing task is to love ourselves, is to bring loving attention to parts of ourselves that we've discarded or that we've judged. You know, for example, I used to think that my thighs were like thunder thighs and I couldn't believe that Gay really liked my legs because I didn't. And so if I'm holding on to that, it makes it very difficult for me to receive positive attention. So I think that's a very important thing that each of us can take responsibility for is genuinely loving any aspects of ourselves, especially any physical aspects of ourselves that that we might have learned or, or judged earlier. But I also think that they, most people don't know how to breathe and don't know how to move. And it makes a huge difference in your sexual enjoyment. One of the things we suggest for people is that you learn how to breathe toward your sensations rather than away from them. And that when something comes up, which sounds like uh, it, it would be easy to do, but you'd be surprised. And anytime anybody gets scared, they stop breathing. And so in your actual interaction with a partner, if you get scared, we definitely recommend that you just say so, that you let yourself express, that you the, the worst thing for your sexual intimacy is to withhold. Because when you withhold, then you withdraw, and then your partner looks like the enemy, and it happens very, very quickly. But if you just say, oh, I just noticed myself stop breathing, or, oh, just had a judgmental thought come into my mind, or, oh, I'm scared you're not going to like my wobbly belly, that 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 seeming vulnerability actually brings you so much closer and creates a... And openness, it's like your your sexuality is is like an, an hose that has a nozzle on it. And the the hose, that uprising energy that you can in your body, you can kink your enjoyment by not breathing, but you can also kink it with the nozzle by not sharing. And so as partners learn how to just simply say what they're feeling what they're experiencing, and to give attention to and breathe into your body sensations and to let yourself move spontaneously rather than in a patterned way that you can just discover amazing landscapes and amazing ways of relating to each other where you can experience all men and all women through your partner. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it makes complete sense. Yeah, but again, it's take it's going to take a lot of. Um, I always feel I always uh, relate to the vulnerability that it takes to be mm. that open. Yeah, well, you could start with. So a lot of people don't start because they think, oh, it's just going to take me so long. But here's what we found: is that you can, you can 
start that process right now and experience the the closeness right now and then you can just keep getting better at it Mm, right yeah so it's like with anything when you're when you're committing to something you know it's okay to fall off of that wagon that you're on but then you just have to jump back on and and keep going and trying again and you get better and better and better at it all the time yeah Yeah, it's like learning to ride a bike (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) wonderful we are going to take this opportunity to go to a short break and we will see everybody on the other side of two minutes The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience to create a powerful and effective modality of healing. Each session is unique, tailored to your individual needs, and can be done in person or from any distance. Are you searching for your purpose, soul path, soulmate, or healing for mind, body, and spirit? Are you seeking relief from anxiety, depression, chronic illness, fatigue, or codependency? Book a healing session or receive a free email consultation today. Visit the services page at sundrahealing.com. Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience and their twin flame connection to create powerful, transformational journeys through their classes, workshops, special events, and retreats. Join Rebecca and Boyd on your journey to deepen your connection with spirit and access divine intelligence. This allows healing, creates miracles, and manifests a life of joy and abundance in alignment with your highest good. Visit the classes page of sunderhealing.com and register today. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's Hot Topics. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Awakened Hearts. To call in and connect to Rebecca and Boyd Campbell on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to hello at sundrahealing.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We are speaking with Katie Hendricks today, and we are talking about conscious loving after 
Ever After. Uh, this is a book written by her and her husband, Gay. And uh, Katie, we talked earlier about blame and criticism and how that's so important to eliminate those from a relationship if we want it to be long-term. Can you talk more about that? I think it's something that's really, really prevalent, very programmed in us from society and from the families that many of us have grown up in. So how how do we start to break that cycle and make those changes? Yeah, thanks, Rebecca. The um, the reason I wanted to come back around to this again is uh, because I think people underestimate the the impact of blame and criticism. And uh, you know, research is very clear that that is the number one reason that people leave relationships, and not just romantic relationships, but work relationships and friendships. Is that uh, when blame and criticism gets to a certain point. Um, it it just um, it doesn't allow you to uh, it drains your reservoir. I'm, I live out here in California where we're in severe drought right now, and our reservoir is at about thirty eight percent. And if you think of your relationship as having a reservoir that you are both responsible for filling, you know, first your own with the kind of of loving attention and curiosity, which is not indulgence, but it's just truly to learn how to love yourself. And the consequences of criticism are that people really wither up. They they feel so unappreciated that there is a a kind of... uh, disconnection that can often then not be repaired if you've spent a long time blaming and criticizing. Uh, people withdraw and then they often just leave. And so the the basic thing I really want to suggest to people is that you make a commitment to end blame and criticism and that you start thinking about what am I going to do with all that free time? When, you know, what is something that I love to do that I could give my attention to? What's something that we could do together that we both enjoy? Uh, What's something that we could learn together? Because that's a great source of renewal for people at all ages of their relationship is when you learn something new, like you uh, both learn to... uh, go dancing together and you learn a new way of dancing or you both uh, go out to uh, learn how I I think something physical is often very very helpful so you learn birding or you go out to help clean up the beach in your area or uh, open up some more trails for people to explore so turning your your wanting to criticize into a commitment to contribute first to your family and then to the community around you is a really, really worthwhile change. What we have found is that commitment gets you into a new game, but then recommitting allows you to get from where you are to where you want to go. So committing to end blame and criticism will then be followed by, I guarantee, hundreds of recommitments to 
to appreciate your partner, to really learn to love and express what you most feel passionate about in your life. You need to have something to do that is juicier for you than blaming and criticizing because that has you addicted to adrenaline. So committing and then recommitting, and what we suggest is that you commit to appreciating uh, when you find you recommit to appreciating when you find yourself criticizing and that you actually do that. You, you appreciate yourself out loud. You appreciate your partner out loud. And we have on our websites and, and uh, on our Facebook pages suggestions for you of what you can do instead of criticizing. We have lots and lots of suggestions of what you could do with your time instead of criticizing. So I would say that's number one for me uh, of what will make the most difference for people. Hmm. Okay, and that's on your website, Hendrix.com? Yes, on our uh, Hendrix.com and also on our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page uh, that is relationship advice. We have a Facebook page that has videos and daily suggestions uh, and lots of ways that you can uh, continue feeding the reservoir of your relationship rather than draining it. Nice. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so in your book, um, you talk about a few, um, giving a couple pieces of advice to people over 40 and in a relationship or seeking a relationship. Can you elaborate on those a little bit for us? Uh, did one piece of advice, did you say? A couple of them, yeah. Well, one of them, you have a few in there, but um, I guess one that uh, was closest to your heart would be great. Well, I would say that the the most important thing that you can do in your relationship is to turn toward your partner or your friend or your colleague, is to fully turn your body toward them and then to open your posture so that you're not all folded up and collapsed on yourself, to open your posture and to let yourself breathe and to let yourself ask, how much love am I willing to give and receive? How much am I willing to expand my capacity today to give and receive more love more positive attention, more appreciation with the people I care about. That's Mm, very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds, perhaps on the surface, it sounds like a very simple thing. Uh, But the body, how we hold our body uh, changes everything, the energy within ourselves and and whether we're welcoming opening up your and heart. opening, yeah, to somebody else. It is powerful. Yeah, we used to have lots of complicated things that people could do, lots of big processes. And what we've found is that simple doesn't simple doesn't mean simplistic. Mm-hmm. Simple can be very, very powerful. And I guarantee you if you're just talking about things you're not involving the huge amount of wisdom that opens up to you when you breathe and you let yourself move easily. And that simple can be very, very powerful. Yes. Yeah, even, and you can, you, I'm sure you can notice this when you're in a conversation with somebody, when you're talking to somebody and you are, you're speaking from the heart to this person and you're watching them and they put and cross their arms over their heart. Um, there's all of a sudden there's a disconnect and there's a, yep. a lack of interest and you can feel that. 
Yeah, you can feel it immediately. Even if your, you know, your problem-solving brain hasn't registered it, your emotional brain has registered it. And the more that you open up to being able to share, to really give and receive attention with your partner, the more fun you're going to have. You can, uh, I didn't think it was possible, but we just have more and more fun all the time now in a, in a deep way, not like silly, but really just a deep enjoyment and joy of being together and sharing and co-creating. Mm. Thank you so much, Katie, for being here with us today. We've come to the end of the show. It always comes fast. Uh, And thank you to our listeners, of course, for sharing the space with us as well. So they can find you on Facebook and through your website. Uh, It sounds like there's so many tools, even, you know, in those places, uh, let alone in the book, Conscious Living Ever After. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Also, we have a uh, a YouTube channel. So we have videos and we're doing our best to share what we have learned so that we can all continue discovering and and sharing with each other what works and and what other people have found contributes to having giving and receiving more love every day in their relationships. Wonderful. And next week, we'll be here same time, same place. We will have Gary Renard, and we will be talking about what A Course in Miracles calls the happy dream. There'll be specific technique described that allows you to realize this. So don't miss it. From our hearts to yours, namaste. Thank you for tuning in this week to Awakened Hearts. Please join your hosts, Rebecca and Boyd Campbell, again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until our next show, have an enlightened week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.